This past week, we uh, read Hebrews and James and um, Mark. And uh, we're coming up uh, near the end now. We're definitely in the home stretch. And uh, we're looking forward to March 6 when we celebrate together, uh, completing our reading of the New Testament. Uh, but uh, meanwhile, um, as you read uh, Hebrews and James, uh, what stood out to you? What kinds of things um, kind of leapt off the page? And did you catch kind of an overarching uh, sense of theme that occurred in both of those books? And uh, if you did, uh, perhaps you drew the conclusion that the theme of those books is faith. And uh, when you consider Hebrews and when you consider James, uh, the reality is that uh, these letters are being written to people who have uh, encountered all kinds of opposition. To be a Christian has become a struggle. Uh, you know, for us, eh, we run into things now and again, but for the most part, um, people don't bother us because of our belief. Uh, you may get teased, you may get ridiculed, uh, not too many people in this country lose their jobs or their homes or have their uh, loans canceled or uh, have other things happen or even be imprisoned because of their faith. But that's what was happening to uh, the people in Hebrews and in James, those audiences were people that were suffering tremendously um, because of their love for and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as a consequence, um, they were beginning to ask the hard questions. And uh, one of those questions was, have we done the right thing? Are we on the right path? Is it worth the cost to follow Jesus? Because it has become very costly. And uh, some of them, particularly in Hebrews, were considering maybe going back to Judaism. Because Judaism, as you know from some of our previous studies, was a, an approved religion in Rome. Uh, this new sect of Christianity and Jesus' followers was not. And so there was political safety uh, in being uh, a Jew. But there was no protection as the gulf widened between Judaism and Christianity. There was no protection for Christians. And so they were beginning to wonder, you know, should we go back? And so these letters are written to encourage faith, to encourage the people that they've made the right choice, that they're on the right track, and that they need to maintain uh, an active and vibrant and living faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 is really kind of a, a key and a focal verse um, where in the passage it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews is really kind of a sermon uh, put in writing. And the writer of Hebrews is moving toward the end of his argument. And as he comes to chapter 11, uh, he begins to home in on understanding the meaning of faith. And he gives this introduction in chapter 12. Faith is the substance of things hoped for 
and the evidence of things not seen. And as he lays the foundation for that and gives this introduction uh, to what it means uh, to have faith, he begins to give us a long list of people. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But uh, I want us to think about this morning, what is faith? You know, we talk about that. Uh, once again, it's becoming a, a byword in the political process as we're anticipating presidential elections later in the year. And uh, now that they're uh, moving down into South Carolina and part of the Bible Belt, well, everybody's got to talk about their faith, you know. Uh, they don't have it in New York or New Hampshire, but uh, in South Carolina, they've got to have some faith. So uh, it's become, I'm being a little facetious, not a lot, but a little. And, and so they've got to have some demonstration of faith. Well, what is faith? What does it mean? What, what, what are we talking about? Uh, is it, you know, is it a system of beliefs? I, I'd like, uh, Kate, if you could bring up those definitions somewhere in there. I, I want you to look at uh, the, the um, dictionary definition. Uh, as a noun, faith could be confidence or trust in a person or a thing. We ask our children to have faith in us. Did you know that? <laughs> We do. That's what we're asking them. We're asking them to have faith. And, you know, they actually do it quite naturally. It's not a formal negotiation with them. Um, but when you, you know, when you pick up a little one and you toss them a little bit, they're counting on the fact that you're not going to drop them. And, uh, you know, my, my little granddaughter, we've, this is a, one of our weekends spending time with them, and she just loves to be tickled. She wore me out tickling her yesterday. You know, she just wouldn't let me stop. I finally got tired. I said, Callie, I've got to stop. You're, you're, you're killing me here. But she, she was confident I wasn't going to hurt her. You know, she wanted me to get her ribs and tickle her. And, and so uh, it could be confidence or trust in a person. It could be belief. It's kind of curious, isn't it? That is not based on proof. <laughs> Maybe... You have to ask the question, what is proof? Are you talking about objectively verifiable proof? Well, how was the universe created? Was anybody there to objectively verify it? Not really. But there's all kinds of evidence that speaks to the truth of how things were created. But the dictionary says, okay, it's belief that is not based on proof. That's kind of like the leap in the dark idea, by the way. Uh, or it's belief in God and in the doctrines or teachings of religion. What is your faith? You know, when we ask that question, we're saying, what do you believe? Tell me about your, your theology. Now, people in the street don't necessarily put it in those terms, but that's the question. What do you believe? Um, what is your faith? Are, are you a Presbyterian? Like the leading Republican candidate? I'm sorry, I can't stay off of that this morning. <laughs> It just kills me. I'm watching this stuff and it's like, oh dear Lord, please help our nation. Did I say that out loud? Is that on tape? All right, well, I'm not being partisan here, I don't think. No, I'm not touching that. <laughs> just, I'm just going to stop. Um, but... It could be, uh, you know, a system of religious beliefs. That's, that's who I am. I'm a Calvinist. I'm an Arminian. I'm Pentecostal. 
um, Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, when you look at it as a verb, it takes on a different characteristic. I've got Kate out of order here now, so I'm, she's going <laughs> to... It is in there somewhere. All right, well, we'll get there in a minute. Up oh, there we go. Verb. Demonstrating or testing the strength of a person's convictions as an important uh, personal sacrifice. Here is where the rubber meets the road. Here's where faith is put to the test. Do you really, really believe it? When we come to Hebrews chapter 11, 1, now I'm going back, Kate, but you don't have to go back there. Um, when we come to Hebrews 11, 1, a lot of uh, scholars ask the question, is the writer giving us a definition or a description of faith? And um, when you begin to look at the, the letter in general, when you begin to look at the context of chapter 11, and you think about what that chapter's all about, faith really seems to be more like, uh, in this passage, a description. It is describing for us what faith looks like. And it's giving us uh, this kind of insight. Uh, regardless, though, of the view that we take, definition or description, the reality is that that faith that has meaningful uh, content is a faith that also has action. As the writer says, and going back to the King James translation for a moment, faith is both the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of what we believe or anticipate or are convinced of, even though we can't see it right now. And, and he says this, by faith we understand that the universe was made by the Word of God. Because we can see the result. And what he's saying is, we're looking here at the evidence. We're looking at what we see around us. The evidence, the substance. Terra firma, you know. We're looking at the world. And we're looking at the universe. We're looking at the stars. And we're looking at the the rhythmic cycle of uh, the solar system. And, and all that happens and the seasons, and all of those things. And we look at that, and we say, this is put together by a wise and loving God. This is put together by someone who has designed it. <laughs> I was reading uh, in, in one of the, the newsletters that I read, uh, someone was um, talking about diatoms. You know what diatoms are? They're little, little tiny... Uh, uh, animals, uh, when, they're, when they die, they're, they're little shells. They're only one cell, so they're really, really small. Uh, but their shells are made out of kind of like a silicon, and when they, when they die and all the organic matter uh, disappears, what's left is this beautiful glassine-like, I mean, it looks like fine crystal that has been cut by an expert. And there are over 100,000 known shapes and kinds of diatoms. It's one of the things that whales eat, by the way. Isn't that amazing? That whales can eat single-celled animals <laughs> and survive. They eat a lot of them. But, uh, but when you think about how, how many different shapes, and they're beautiful. 
should have taken a picture and showed you a slide this morning. They, they are just beautiful. They're amazing in all of their complexity. And, the, and their, their shells have these little pores. And they're in perfectly identical rows. And they're precisely the right size for each different species. So that um, you, can, you can tell them apart if they look alike at first glance. You can tell them apart by looking at how big the little holes are in their clamshell-like frustules. They're, they're just amazing things. So, so I'm reading this, uh, this um, blog about a video that, that a guy made. And he said, it is just amazing that nature has um, uh, caused all of these different shapes and forms for no other apparent reason than their beauty. What? Seriously. Nature? These people believe that nature is just a product of chemicals and time and chance. Nature doesn't think. It can't make beauty. It doesn't have those qualities. If you believe in evolution, be consistent. Nothing has any meaning. There's no purpose to anything. It just happened by time and chance. And to say that nature made a hundred thousand different kinds that you can't even see without a microscope. I mean, God is just, it's like, okay, uh, I'm not only going to fill up the visible world, I'm going to fill up the invisible world. Then I'm going to fill up the universe. So that one day they'll figure out how to make telescopes and microscopes and they'll discover all this other stuff I've made. It's just remarkable. There's no other explanation. And so the writer of Hebrews says, we look at the evidence and we infer rightly there is a God an intelligent God, a creative God, a God of order, a, a God who puts it all together and, and makes sense of it. And so, um, he begins in chapter 11 to give us some examples. And he talks about uh, Abel and the better sacrifice. And he talks about Enoch and, and uh, him walking with God. Uh, and he talks about Noah and the ark. And he talks about Moses. And he talks about Abraham. Not in that order. But he talks about all of these great people of the history of faith. And you notice there's a common denominator to every single one of them. He says they all believed God and then they did something. Their faith in God was demonstrated by action which they took. So Abel sacrificed one of his lambs because he believed God. Enoch disappeared one day. He went for a walk and he didn't show up again. I don't know who must have been around, but he walked with God. He just disappeared off the planet. Uh, and yet we remember him because of his godliness. And uh, Noah got the message from God and said, it's going to rain. I want you to build an ark. And Noah believed God and built an ark. Abraham believed God and left the, the comfort and the plushness of his 
uh, environment in Ur of the Chaldees and his home and, and his prestige and all of his um, popularity because he was a respected figure. And he went to some place he'd never heard of, didn't know anything about, uh, and never ever again had a permanent place to live. And the writer of Hebrews says he died still looking for the promise of God. But faith caused him to take action. And so if you, if you look at that chapter 11 and you read through all of these uh, patriarchs of the faith, you find that every one of them demonstrated their belief, their, their conviction uh, in God's promises by taking action and doing something in their life. James puts it this way. He lays a case for faith that requires behavior which is consistent with belief. He says, show me your faith without any works. And I will show you my faith by my works. Think about this with me for a moment. Do you all have faith this morning? Do you? Prove it. Prove your faith. I don't know that you have faith. You don't know that I have faith. Faith as an idea or a concept is not provable. It's something in your head. You can't prove that. That's why James says, show me your faith without doing anything. You can't do anything. You you can't make it happen. You can't demonstrate it. Faith requires action. You have to do something to demonstrate your faith. It comes out in your practice. Now, It's an interesting illustration. I want you to think about this bridge for a moment. Would you walk across that? Do you believe that would hold you up? You you believe that would hold you up? Why do you think that? You walked across that bridge. Well, how do you know that one will hold you up? How do you know the one you walked across would hold you up? Ah, okay. Took the words right out of my mouth. Great point. Is somebody in front of you? <laughs> Did they make it? You know? And But that doesn't mean it's going to hold her up. Uh, there's a pretty good chance it would hold Jan up, but, you know, I'm not going there any further either. But anyway, um, if you were to look at that bridge... If you're by yourself and you came upon that bridge, you say, I need to get to the other side. How am I going to do that? I wonder if it'll hold me up. And, and you kind of look at it and you notice, first thing you notice is there's, there's, there's shrubbery and plants growing up around the anchor points. That could be a good thing or a bad thing, but one thing it does mean is it's been there a very long time. So, you know, it's not new. 
And then you look at the bridge, and you see that the top of the rope you're supposed to walk on is kind of smooth and polished. Have you ever seen these things up close and in person? You know, if you walk on them enough, the, the sides of the ropes are still fuzzy and, and have uh, stray, uh, you know, stuff in them. But the tops are smoothed out. And then and you look at the handhold ropes, and you notice they're kind of dark on the top from the oils of, of the hands. And as you examine this bridge, um, you know, you say, well, it's obviously been used. It's obviously been here for a while, and it's obviously been used. Now, if it were me, I'm not wild about heights, and I don't see anywhere to tie a line off to hold me on that, so I'm going to have to walk across the bridge. I would uh, grab a hold of one of those side things <laughs> back here on the safe side, and, and I would pull on it and see if I could pull it apart. I might even get back and tug on it. You know, I want to see how strong does this look? And then I'd, and I'd check it out, you know. And I would look at the evidence that would suggest to me that it's trustworthy. But until I am willing to cross the chasm, I have no faith in the bridge. I've checked it all out. I have the evidence. It looks like it's going to hold me up. And that's what James says about the demons. They believe the facts, but they're not committed to them. They don't base their existence on them. In fact, they hate the reality of the truth. But if I am going to demonstrate faith in the bridge, I have to walk across the ravine. That's the proof that I believe it. I can, I can look at all the evidence, but until I step out in the middle, I have no faith in the bridge. Friends, the Bible is not telling us that we're saved by works. Not even James is telling us. If a man has no works, can faith save him? You know, ask that question. He's not telling us that work saves us. He, he's saying that faith saves us, but faith that does not result in behavior. Faith that does not result in commitment. Faith that does not result in a lifestyle is not adequate faith for salvation. This is, this is important stuff. Because we glibly talk about faith as if it were um, merely a, a, an intellectual kind of agreement with the truth. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God as a result of works, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. When we close that verse, we say we're saved by faith, not by works. And that is absolutely true. Faith precedes stepping out on the bridge. Faith comes first. But when I have believed, I commit. Remember the rich young ruler? You know what he asked. What can I do to have eternal life? He didn't want to be 
a, a really devoted disciple. What, what can I do to be a real sold-out Christian? That's not his question. His question was, what can I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, keep all the commandments. And poor guy, he was really deluded. Because he said, well, I've done that since my childhood. I've kept them all. Really? Well, okay. Let's say that's true. Then you're only lacking one thing. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Come follow me. What can I do to have eternal life? Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Come follow me. The very first commandment out of the gate. You remember what it is? I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Jesus put his finger right on the guy's problem. He was an idolater. And money was more important than God. I want eternal life, but not if I have to give up my money. Ah, so we've broken the first one. Shall we continue? And he walked away sorrowfully. You see, faith that is saving faith results in behavior that enthrones God as Lord and follows through with action consistent with the belief. If any man is in Christ, if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. So, faith and action. Does your faith affect your behavior and your choices? You say, well, nobody's pointed a gun to my head and asked me if I was a Christian, so I haven't had a chance to test my faith. Well, yeah, you have. When you're really, really sick, do you call for the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint you with oil? That's what the Scripture says. Do you believe it? Well, what action do you take? When you can't figure out how to pay your bills, and you've got a decision to make, and do I honor God with the first fruits, or do I... You've got a decision to make. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God is going to care for you? When you have a problem at work, and you're responsible for a decision, and you don't know what decision to make, do you ask God to give you guidance? If anyone lack wisdom, let that one ask God, who gives to all men liberally. doesn't chastise you for asking. You see, faith that is a, a living, vibrant faith comes into action in, in actionable behavior choices Every single day throughout the day. Trust God, do it my way. Trust God, seek human wisdom. Trust God, follow the expected patterns. Trust God, 
do the prudent thing. All day long, you have those choices. And faith chooses God's way in every situation. I'm caught in a tough situation here, and I could tell a little lie and kind of smooth it over, and I wouldn't be in big trouble. What do you do? You speak the truth regardless of consequences? Or you say, well, God doesn't really understand these circumstances. I mean, this is a really tough one. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to bend the truth a little bit. Those are the questions. You know, <laughs> coming up on April 15th, how do you treat your income? How do you answer the questions? How do you respond to the tax return? See, it, no one has to put a gun to your head to test your faith. Your faith is tested all the time. And the question is, do you trust God? Do you believe God? Is saving faith demonstrated in your life by a transformation and the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that you're a child of God? You know, that's what Paul says in Romans 8. He says, we have the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit crying out within us, Abba, Father, and testifying that we are children of God. Do you have that testimony? Do you have that transformed life? Do you have a new attitude? Do you have a new outlook? Do you have a new perception? Is your life just totally different than it used to be? Your attitudes and your thoughts? Do you have that evidence that Jesus Christ is in you? Is your belief that God loves you and desires only the best for you and promises to keep you in His care demonstrated in the choices you make? Do you have confidence in God? That's we just sang that song. Have faith in God. He's on the throne. Have faith in God. He watches over His own. Do you believe that? Are you resting in that? Is it your confidence that no matter what comes, God loves you. He wants the best for you. He's able to work all things together for good to those who love Him and are the called according to His purpose. There's an old saying, I know you've all heard it. If you are accused of being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you in a court of law? Who would you call as witnesses? Who could testify that, you, that they saw you acting Christianly? Who could you call that could say, I know that person's a Christian because this is what I witnessed. Is there enough evidence to convict you in a court of law? That's the whole point of Hebrews and James as we look at these uh, letters, this sermon and this letter, and we consider it. Uh, these writers are, are writing uh, to people that are struggling. 
And they're saying, keep making the right choices. Keep following God. Keep taking risk. Keep putting Him first. It's worth it. Strengthen those uh, feeble knees and those uh, hands that hang down. Strengthen them. Run the race. Keep committed to the cause. Remember the cloud of witnesses that we just heard about. And all those that have gone before us and died still looking for the promise. Confident that God was going to keep faithful to His Word. Stay by the stuff. Don't let anything turn you away. No matter what the cost, no matter what the price, it's worth the sacrifice. Stay on task with Jesus and follow Him. That's the point. And demonstrate your faith in the choices that you make on a daily basis. Uh, Don't think in terms of uh, third world countries where the choices of faith put you at risk uh, for the loss of life. Think of the everyday choices here and now in your life that define the difference whether you're trusting God or whether you're following your own purposes and plans, or human wisdom, or natural counsel, or nature made a hundred thousand different forms of diatoms. Really? you got to be crazy to believe that. How do you respond? Where's your faith? Father, Thank you so much for your word to us this morning. Encourage us. Increase our faith. Uh, Lord, some of us are like that fellow that said, Lord, I I, I do believe. I, I do. Help my unbelief. Lord, we come to you this morning. Help our unbelief. Bring us to that place of consistent confidence and assurance that there is more than adequate evidence to warrant stepping out in faith with you day by day, moment by moment. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.